Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. Free speech is under assault like never before. Freedom is under attack more now than ever before. Because radical doesn't mean crazy. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15. With the help of the media, big tech, and the global elite, the left is attempting to seize control of my generation. It's time to fight back. It's time to let freedom ring. Hello, Noah Ring here. This is my show. If you want to be on it, the number is 912-254-4838. Again, that is 912-254-4838. Feel free to text me anytime during this broadcast, even if you're listening to this after when it's uploaded on the podcast. We had a great show for you today. We've had a lot of things happen today. All right, well, I should say yesterday. I mean... I'm sure some stuff has happened today, but it's currently uh, 8.01 in the morning, and therefore I don't think an awful lot happened today. However, we have a lot to get into, but we will start with today is August 5th, 2021, and Joseph R. Biden is still and will always be the worst president in American lifetime. In, in American history, sorry. Oh, my lifetime too. If he's the worst in American history, he's the worst in my lifetime. Now, we'll get into something by trending politics. It says, wow, Fauci falsely claims that illegal immigrants aren't contributing to COVID spread. <clears throat> On Sunday, far-left doctor Anthony Fauci falsely claimed that illegal immigrants were not causing COVID outbreaks in the United States, even though high numbers of illegals are testing positive for COVID. The problem is within our own country, Fauci told fake news Jake Tapper. Quote, certainly immigrants can get infected, but they're not deriving the force of this, he added. Fauci continued to dodge the next question, which revolved around a government order which would allow immigration officials to expel migrants more quickly because of the pandemic. Fauci claimed he, quote, wasn't familiar with the intricacies of that rule. He added that, quote, focusing on immigrants expelling them is not a solution to the outbreak. Just so you heard that correctly, Dr. Fauci thinks it's 100% okay to keep COVID-positive patients in the United States. Here. He said it himself. I'll play the clip. The CDC director said on Friday that the agency is reevaluating what's known as Title 42. That was an order uh, done on an emergency basis that allows the U.S. immigration uh, officials to expel migrants more easily because of the pandemic. Uh, you have talked about this. There are widespread vaccines and testing now. As a public health official, do you see a medical reason still to continue to impose that rule? You know, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm sorry, Dana, but I, I am not as familiar with the intricacies of that to make any comment about that rule. I just, you know, m my feeling has always been 
that focusing on immigrants, expelling them or what have you, is not the solution to mm -hmm. an outbreak. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it may not truly be the solution, but, you know, it might start saying, hey, we need less people to be in this country that have COVID because the more people in this country with COVID, the more people who will get COVID. It's pretty, it's really quite simple. Here's something from the Daily Caller. Quote, in March, more than 170,000 migrants crossed the border, many coming from countries with high infection rates. But according to New York Times, Border Patrol wasn't conducting tests for COVID, except in cases where migrants showed obvious symptoms. The Texas border city of McAllen stated that more than 7,000 COVID-positive migrants had been released into their community. What is your reaction to, to Fauci's latest false claim? Text me your reaction at 912-254-4838, 912-254-4838. And I'll pick one of you guys and send you a $50 gift card. Now, the Supreme Court turned away an appeal by D.C. residents to give them a voting member in Congress. So there was, uh, there was, a, uh, uh, there was a case that was, uh, was tried uh, in, in the Supreme Court. Or, well, I guess it didn't get to the Supreme Court. But the Supreme Court has refused to hear an appeal by Washington, D.C. residents seeking a voting member in the U.S. House of Representatives. The nation's, high, the nation's highest court on Monday affirmed a lower court ruling that said the District of Columbia residents are not entitled to voting representation in the House. Residents had asked the high court to hear the issue. The court's four-sentence order cited a case from 2000 in which justices said the same thing. Quote, residents of the District of Columbia are the only adult American citizens subject to federal taxes who lacked voting representation in Congress, except for felons in some states, lawyers for the residents wrote in legal papers. Earlier this year, the, the Democrat-controlled House of Representatives voted 216 to 208 to pass a bill that would grant statehood to Washington, D.C. During an interview at the time on Newsmax, Tex Texas GOP Representative Louis Gohmert revealed the sneaky reason Democrats did this. You want to take a guess? Send your guesses to 912-254-4838. Seriously, text that number. The more people who text that, the better it is, because... As we saw yesterday, Facebook can go down at any moment. We got to stay connected. It's for an unlimited power grab. Government said Democrats push for statehood for D.C. is based on an argument of no taxation without representation. They're right. There should not be taxation without representation, Government said, noting the other U.S. territories like Puerto Rico, Guam, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. They do not pay federal income tax because they do not elect a full voting representative. When I realized that, I filed a bill that would eliminate the federal income tax for the people in the District of Columbia. He added to co-host Carl Higby. But even Eleanor Holmes Norton will not sign on to my bill, and no, Democrats will. So, Carl, when you hear Democrats say you either support D.C. being a state or you're for taxation without representation, wrong. The Democrats do not support my bill. They're for taxation without representation. If they were not, they would get on my bill. So the Democrats are supporting taxation without representation, not Republicans. H.R. 51, otherwise known as Washington, D.C. Admission Act, would give District 2 senators and a voting representative in the House. The new state would be called Washington Douglas Commonwealth in honor of the abolitionist Frederick Douglass. It would exclude federal buildings and monuments, and federal ter territory would be known as the Capitol. Under the plan, the 51st state would be called, as we said, Washington Douglas and Commonwealth. Washington, D.C. is a, as reliable Democrat as California, New York City, and other big cities, making the nation's capital a state would give Democrats two more Senate seats and one more representative in the House, basically ensuring that Democrats stay in control forever in the Senate. 
It is about giving Democrats more power, no matter what they say, to make it sound like a good idea. Here's the good news. It's highly unlikely the bill will ever pass in the Senate. The Senate is split 50-50. With the legis- legislative filibuster still in place, the statehood bill will require 60 votes in the U.S. Senate to advance. Democrats, however, would need to vote with, would need to vote with a simple majority, as Kamala Harris can break a 50-50 tie to end the filibuster. However, two Democrats, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, are already on record saying they will not support ending the filibuster. Yes, because it will come back to hurt you eventually. An editorial from the Washington Times published in 2019 details why making D.C. the 51st state would be a bad idea. It's nothing more than Democrats looking for new ways to grab more power to help them get more far-left policies and legislation passed through Congress. Yeah, that's quite simple. That's via the conservative brief. Uh, It's quite simple by Martin Walsh. So let's be honest. I would... I'm currently not being represented in the U.S. Uh, Senate because my two U.S. Senators are John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, both who are very incompetent and should not ever step foot in the US, United States Capitol. However, I would love to be exempt from the federal income tax, as I'm sure many of you listening would like to be exempt from the federal income tax. Now, now speaking of Democrats and they're trying to get to win because I don't think they can win in a lot of states right now and next year in 2022, about a year and a month from now. This is uh, via Christopher Bedford over at The Federalist. It's titled, First Workers, Now Blacks, Democrats, Betrayals for Big Business are piling up, but can Republicans seize it? But can Republicans seize it? That's the question. Democrat summer of Black Lives Matter is over. Frontline nurses year in the sun has passed. Gone are the COVID cries to evict no one ever for any reason at all. Disparate, disparate impact. Never heard of her? It's 2021 now. We're advanced. These are simple proclamations. Go and read a newspaper from September 2020 and then glance at one from this past month. The, the political debates are nearly unrecognizable. It's almost impossible to believe that the same people were often making both policies. New York City is a leader in world liberalism for years, and especially since May 2020, its politicians have mangled their schools, their parks, their police force, their courts, all in the name of fighting racism. Most of the time, the changes they made hurt blacks more than whites. But that's besides the point. In liberalism, it's the effort that counts. New York City is also a leader of of the world's COVID cult. New York Governor Kathy Hochul says that if you want to serve God, you must receive the sacrament of vaccination. Mayor Bill de Blasio has decreed that all restaurants must see proof of vaccination before service. There's the snack. Today in New York City, roughly 72% of black residents aged 18 to 44 have not taken this vaccine, meaning roughly 72% of black residents aged 18 to 44 are banned, banned from entering dining establishments. Does that remind you of anything? Statewide, 53% of black residents aren't vaccinated compared to only 44% of white residents who have declined the shots. Yet, this week, the state's governor announced she would use the powers of this unending emergency to fire and replace as many as 72,000 healthcare workers for refusing the vaccine. In New York City, healthcare workers were lauded as both heroes and COVID experts just weeks ago. Most of those workers are women, 
a plurality are black, and now thousands of them might be out of a job. The hospital system never collapsed due to COVID, but it might collapse due to Hochul's measures to fight it. New York City is not alone in reversing course. Down south in Florida earlier this month, one apartment owner promised to evict any tenants who declined the vaccine. It's unsafe to be near the unclean, he said. So black mother Jasmine Irby and her two children were given the boot. There was no loophole. No one was working with me. No extensions. I literally had to walk away, Irby told Fox News. It was either get the shot or get out. So a mother of two who didn't want her kids to be vaccinated was, was forced to leave. The place she called home didn't say she was late on rent. Didn't say anything about that at all. All it said was she refused to get the vaccine. Now, for those of you who don't know why, a lot of people, especially minorities, don't want to get the vaccine. We're going to get into it. We are going to get into it. Now, this is via the CDC's own website. It's called the Tuskegee Experiment. In 1932, the USPHS, working with the Tuskegee Institute, began a study to record the natural history of syphilis. It was originally called the Tuskegee Study of Untreated Syphilis in the Negro Male. The study initially involved 600 black men, 400 with syphilis, 200 who did not have the disease. Participants' informed consent was not collected. Researchers told the men they were being used being treated for, quote, bad blood, a local term used to describe several ailments, including syphilis, anemia, and fatigue. In exchange for taking part in the study, the men received free medical exams, free meals, and free burial, burial insurance, insurance to be buried. By 1943, penicillin was the treatment of choice for syphilis and was becoming widely available, but the participants in the study were not offered treatment. In 1972, an Associated Press story about the study was published. As a result, the Assistant Secretary for Health and Scientific Affairs appointed an ad hoc advisory panel to review the study. What did the panel conclude? That the study was ethically unjustified. That means the results were disproportionately meager and compared with known risks to human subjects involved. In October 1972, the panel advised stopping the study. A month later, the Assistant for, Sec for Health and Scientific Affairs announced the end of the study. In March 1973, the panel also advised the Secretary of Department of Health, Education, and Welfare, now known as the Department of Health and Human Services, to instruct the USPHS to provide all necessary medical care for the survivors of the study. The Tuskegee Health Benefit Program was established to provide these services. In 1975, participants, wives, widows, and children were added to the program. In 1995, the program was expanded. You're sitting here and you're like, well, what's going on? What is this? What happened during the Tuskegee experiment? The government, the U.S. government, not too long ago, they allowed African Americans to be infected with syphilis, all because they wanted to study it. Now, this is via McGill. 40 years of the human experimentation in America, the Tuskegee 
study. The goal was to observe natural history of untreated syphilis in black populations, but the subjects were completely unaware and were instead told they, they were receiving treatment for bad blood when, in fact, they received no treatment at all. Now, a lot of this uh, is, you know, kind of the same thing we just read, but this is important. It lowered... The USPS set their study in Macon County due to the estimates that 35% of its population was infected with syphilis. In 1932, the initial patients between the age of 25 and 60 were, recruit, were recruited under the guise of receiving free medical care for bad blood. By the end of the study, by the end of the study, the average life expectancy of a black male in America had dropped by years. That's why a lot of people won't take this. That's why a lot of minorities won't take this. They don't trust the government. Rightly so. I don't either. Come to the Republican Party. We'd love to have you. Let's get back to the Federalists. What a difference 12 months makes. Over the course of 70 years, the Democratic Party grew from the party of segregation that Martin Luther King Jr. marched against to the party that commands 90% of the black vote. In the summer of 2020, the desires of black Americans were the sole obsession of the Democratic Party. Remember, all those doctors and public health officials signing a letter that claimed protesting against racism was the sole valid justification for ignoring the stay-at-home orders? And now they seem to want to throw it all away. All sacrificed at the altar of COVID hysteria. But while that might explain what, it doesn't explain why. So what more is at play here? The answers might be found in the same history that transformed the Republican Party of Abraham Lincoln into the party of Richard Nixon, the transformation is the story of business and class. The 1950s and 60s, Republicans never decided they didn't like black people, despite what liberals might claim. In 2021, Democrats didn't, didn't either, despite those viral accusations that Democrats are the real racist. The parties changed in other ways. By the Civil War, however, the major parties were regional. Their makeup wasn't just based on ideology, but business. The parties are shifting again. The Democratic Party has become the beholden to big business it once hated so much, even at the expense of big labor and big race. Corporate money is now on their side. Wall Street, Silicon Valley, big tech. These centers of wealth charts their own party's path. The technocrats and elites have assumed direct and near total control. So the old lower class components of the Democratic Party go by the wayside. Labor and the Democratic Party used to be nearly indivisible. Then President Barack Obama put environmental activists above them in the pecking order. And the relationship has never recovered. Now, urban blacks are once again being sent to the back of the Democratic bus. They might get away with all this. In fact, that's the exact gamble they're making. They're guessing that they can mistreat their old base as much as they want because they have nowhere else to go and will never abandon them. But they could be very, very wrong. Populist conservatism, the kind that pays heed to the concerns of the working class, has arrived just in time to meet the shift in the Democratic Party. Angelo Cotevilla was a brilliant thinker and a wonderful man. We tragically lost him two Sundays ago. Before he left us, he wrote down a lot. Among them, this bit of a clash between the rulers and the ruled. The ruling class's appetite for deference, power, and perks grows. The ruling class wears on its sleeve the views that the Americans are racist, greedy, and above all, stupid. The rulers want the rule to shut up and obey. The clash between the two sides is about which side's vision of itself and the other is right and which is wrong. Because each side, especially the ruling class, embodies its very views on the issue and concessions on one side to another discredit 
decide of it views itself. So what do you think? You let me know what you think by texting me at 912-254-4838. 912-254-4838. Hey, Noah here. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Let Freedom Ring. Make sure that you subscribe and leave a five-star rating. It really does help me grow. This is one of the fastest-growing young conservative podcasts in the country. So make sure that you subscribe and you leave a five-star review. And please share with one of your friends. It really, really does help. But now, back to the show. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Let Freedom Ring Radio. I don't know why I'm talking about that. If you want to be on the show, text 912-254-4838. Again, 912-254-4838. Text me what you want me to talk about. And if it's just good enough, I may just bring you on. So I'm starting a new segment. Everybody's been saying, Noah, you need segments. Okay. You're not going to be able to do this if you don't have segments. So I'm starting something that I, to be fair, I stole from Delegate Freitas, Nick Freitas, uh, up in Virginia. Great delegate. Wish he would be a- Amy Spamberger, Abby, Amy. I don't know. And I'm going to basically read a Thomas Sowell quote and kind of talk about it for a little bit. So Thomas Sowell is not allowed to die. That is the premise of this segment is that Thomas Sowell must live on forever. Uh, and he is not allowed to die because that would be very bad. And who else would be better to own the libs than the smartest person I've ever uh, had the chance to read. And if you ever read his work, you will not read his work and be and become a liberal. That's that's for that's for sure. So it says, I have never understood why it is greed to want to keep the money you have earned, but not greed to want to take somebody else's money. I'll read that again for the people in the back. I have never understood why it is greed to want to keep the money you have earned but not greed to want to take somebody else's money. This is via Thomas Sowell, Barbarians Inside the Gates and Other Controversial Essays. I think he's 100% right. This is obviously going at Democrats' opinion on taxes, saying that, you know, we should tax the filthy, filthy rich at 127%, make them pay more than they even made. Because if we don't do that, then these billionaires aren't paying their fair share, They aren't able to generate the wealth for this country. And you and I both know that something like the bottom 99% only pays like 1% in taxes. Something, Something crazy like that. I think if you ever meet somebody who really, you know, truly believes that we should take somebody's, all of somebody's wealth, and if you think somebody, if you meet somebody who has a certain amount of, I don't know, belief that just isn't true, and they believe that Jeff Bezos, that that the hundred, I don't know, eighty billion dollars, that that is actually liquid, meaning that he has that in cash. If you find someone who truly believes that Jeff Bezos has $180 billion. Well, they are special, special, special type of slow. Now, this will be coming up every, uh, this will be a, a br- this, this is going to be a, a recurring segment. Because I think it's needed. To just look at some of the greats in the past, or really, I guess, in, this, in, in the current, but I want to get into something. 
the progressives own own the Democratic Party. It is their party, and we're just living by it. Have you seen this? It is their party, and we just get the chance. They well, we they just get the chance to live in it. In his basement race for the White House last year, think about this. Joe Biden did a remarkable two-step dance regarding his political ideology. In February of 2020, Biden himself, you know, he he went on, he promised to be, quote, the most progressive president in history. And he's starting to live up to that. Yet throughout the campaign, his surrogates and media allies insisted that this was old, moderate Joe Biden, the lion of the Senate, the king of compromise, and that, of course, he wasn't too far left. No, Joe Biden ain't, ain't farther left than, you know, uh, anybody else. He's just right there. He's central, uh, middle-class Joe who has been the lion of the Senate in the last 47 years, hadn't done anything. I think, you know, Joe Biden's kind of like that one student at the end of the uh, the end of the political, or the, the end of a, a semester who wants to do all the work in like two weeks, the teachers hate him. In this case, that's the American people. Because he hadn't done nothing for 47 years. He knows this is the last time ever being in an elected office. So he's trying to get everything done. But it worked. The real Joe Biden has stood up, not very fastly and probably half asleep. And it is entirely clear that he is far more aligned with the lefty squad in the House of Representatives than with the moderates in the U.S. Senate, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. They have been the face of... They have been the face of moderate opposition to a $3.5 trillion social spending package. You see how they don't even call it infrastructure anymore? They call it a social spending package. But last week, Senator Patrick Leahy, Democrat of Vermont, had this to say about the Democrats' failures to pass a more modest bipartisan infrastructure bill. Quote, there are so many things in there that we need. Speaker Pelosi wasn't ready to do it yesterday. There was a small group that held her up. But according to the House Progressive Caucus, it is the moderates who are the small group afford their massive tax and spend agenda. By all accounts, the progressives are absolutely right. Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, pretty much the entirety of the mainstream media, they're all for this. Meanwhile, Manchin, is being heckled at his houseboat. Cinema is being yelled at in the bathroom at Arizona State University. Most Democrats are insisting that the top line number, the three and a half trillion dollars, keep in mind trillion with a T, T like T-Rex, should be ignored. And that all the programs that will pay for should be the focus of the party's pitch to voters. They point out that many of the free goodies are popular. Free goodies often are. Yeah, hey, I'm not a big fan of, of Twix, but if it's free, I'll eat it. I don't just like Twix. I, I'm just not. I, I, it's not my first choice. But anyway, individually, voters are voters smile at free community college and pre-K and paid leave and all the rest. They smile at them individually. But the moderates, the small number of vocal ones, those who just keep keeping their heads down, understand that if you say to someone. Do you want a new TV? They say yes. Do you want a new car? Yes. Do you want a vacation home? Sure. Why not? But when you say, <clears throat> great, well, then take out a second mortgage on your home and buy all that stuff. 
then the, then that number creeps in. And they don't want it as much. It didn't it isn't now here's the point. It isn't just on Biden that Biden has donned this Shag Guevara t shirt and pink hat. He has thrown open the border while throwing border agents under the bus with false allegations that they whipped migrants. Whatever that means. He's blatantly pro-abortion as any president has ever been, as is as any president has ever been. He allowed an eviction moratorium to continue, even after he admitted it was unconstitutional, following in the playbook of Barack Obama. He signs executive orders mandating critical race theory training for federal employees, even though neither he nor any top White House officials have undertaken this, quote, important The good news for conservatives, moderates, and frankly, Americans in general, however, is that this game Biden played in 2020, running as a progressive and a centrist, is a one-trick pony. All the cards are on the table now. In 2024, he may have to run his wildly progressive agenda. He he and the rest of the Democratic Party can't run on this trade of moderation and unity. I mean, let's be honest, he's not running again anyway. He's a one-term president. This applies to House Democrats in midterms as well. Republicans in swing districts are salivating against running against uh, about running against blue dog Democrats or those who call themselves blue dog Democrats, choking on the bedazzled collar and leash of the squad's successful takeover of the party of Jefferson. And a word of caution needs to be in order for the progressives in their moment of triumph. They are the party now. They aren't the outsiders. They aren't the gadflies. They aren't the heroic underdogs. Speaking truth to power. No, not anymore. Now they are the power. It is up to the American people to decide just how much of their progressive agenda they want to pay for and live under. That question, unlike who holds on the reins, or is it whips in the Democratic caucus, it's still very much to be decided. So what does that mean? What what does it mean? That means you need to call Mansion and Cinema. You need to call Mansion and Cinema. Now, speaking of blatant radicalism, the Supreme Court of the United States, SCOTUS, returned to in-person arguments. The only audience allowed will be on the other side of live-streamed audio. All ears will be tuned to One First Street Northeast, as the justices consider several cases impacting our constitutional rights. All eyes are on December 1st when the justices will hear one of the most consequential arguments in decades, Dobbs v. Jackson's Women's Health Organization. This case is billed as yet another opportunity for the justices to reconsider Roe v. Wade, one of the most controversial decisions in U.S. history. Depending on that very outcome, the case could very well, reset the national dialogue over abortion. The week after that, the court will hear arguments in Carson v. Macon. My friends over at the Institute for Justice are lead counsel in that case, asking the court to reverse a lower court decision that allows the state of Maine to fund otherwise generally available student aid to families unless they attend a religious school. How dare you? Our firm... Not my firm. Their firm, 
First Liberty Institute is co-counsel on the case because they believe such religious discrimination has no place in our country. It stands against the very principles of our promised freedom to exclude families who qualify for the needed educational assistance in every way, except that their students learn the ABCs and 123s at a religious school rather than secular. That's the kicker. They want to take God out of everything. Even before these two big cases are argued, critical issues touching the First and Second Amendments will be heard first. On November 1st, the case of a death row inmate denied the presence of a minister at his execution will determine whether Texas violated the free exercise clause of the First Amendment and Religious Land Use and Institutionalized Persons Act. Ramirez v. Collier reminds us that even the most extreme moments, death row Americans are not deprived of their exercise to their faith. Sure, probably agree with that. Two days later, the court considers arguments in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin. A challenge to New York's law demanding the showing of a good reason before issuing a license to carry a firearm. While these are major cases we know about so far, other petitioners await learning whether their case will be heard. For instance, First Liberty appealed a case where the city of Fredericksburg, Virginia, asserts that it interprets of the Presbyterian Book of Church and Order is more accurate than the Presbyterian Church in America's. That's the problem. Government officials have no right, none, to substitute their theology for the church's. We, are, we need to fight for this. Let's hope the Supreme Court reverse, re, reverses Fredericksburg's unconstitu, unconstitutional decision. Now, these justices aren't without being hurt. The, the, these justices are being belittled and yelled at. Finally, in one of the most watched cases in America over the past 10 years, the silent prayer of a football coach may determine whether the right to be religious in public is protected. Bremerton, Washington. High school fired Coach Joe Kennedy after he took a knee in a quiet prayer at a following a football game. Shockingly, a judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit wrote, I personally find it more than a little ironic that Kennedy's, quote, everybody watch me pray, stage public prayers. So clearly flout the instructions found in the Sermon on the Mount on the appropriate way to pray. It is one thing for somebody to disagree with Kennedy's silent prayer on bended knee and yet another for a public school to terminate him for doing so. It is beyond the pale, though for a federal judge to suggest that his own personal religious beliefs are better than that than Coach Kennedy's. Whew. The Supreme Court should take Kennedy's case and send a very clear message. Banning coaches across the nation from, pay, from praying just because they can be seen as wrong and contradicts the Constitution, quite frankly. Finally, lurking in the background of all these cases is the threat of the court being packed. Adding justices to the court in order to reach the political results you are seeking is always a horrible idea and dangerous. This would be a disaster. It would be an act of pure political revenge that would threaten the courts and civil liberties of all Americans. Preserving the independence of the judiciary is essential to preserving our constitutional democracy. Remember this. In Federalist number 78, Alexander Hamilton called the Supreme Court the citadel of public justice and the public security. It is within that citadel that the justices undertake their unique obligation to preserve and defend the Constitution against political greed. As they take the bench and hear the prayer that opens 
each court session. So let it be. God save the United States in this honorable course. We'll be right back after these messages. Now, Joe Biden is attacking the right. We are back after this break. We are back. We are back. We are back. Joe Biden blasts, quote, hypocritical GOP opposition to raising the debt limit. The president said he couldn't guarantee the U.S. wouldn't default on its obligations because of unified Republican opposition in the Senate. Great. We're all unified for once. President Joe Biden on Monday called out Republicans for refusing to allow Democrats to raise the debt ceiling, even though they supported legislation that necessitated an increase in the first place. Raising the debt limit is about paying back our old debt. It has nothing to do with new spending, Biden said at the White House, calling the GOP's refusal to support the action hypocritical. They won't vote to raise the debt limit to cover their own spending. Wow. So actually, no. That's personally like saying, hey, man, I owe Amex about $100,000. Capital One, you think you can spot me $100,000? You're not. That's not how this works, Joe. You should know. You've been there for probably 100,000 years at this point. You probably served when George Washington was president. This is via the Huffington Post. I don't like to read these because every time I read these, my brain cells uh, divide. They, they get lower and lower. Well, let's keep reading. President Joe Biden on Monday called out Republicans for refusing to allow Democrats. Raising the debt limit is... Oh, I read that. Sorry. Twice last week, Republicans blocked legislation that would have raised the statutory debt limit, which lets the government borrow money to pay bills it has already incurred. The GOP helped to add trillions of dollars in debt under the previous admin, but now lawmakers refuse to raise the debt ceiling with a Democrat in the White House. Congress must raise the debt ceiling by October 18th in order to stave off a catastrophic default on the U.S. debt. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has warned that even waiting until the last minute to raise the debt ceiling could cause economic damage to financial markets and negatively impact the credit rating of the U.S., quote, for years to come. Now, Chuck Schumer said Monday that Congress must raise the debt ceiling by the end of the week. If not, he warned senators should be prepared to work weekends during a scheduled recess to get it done. We don't have the luxury of waiting until October 18th. And it's our responsibility to reassure the world that the United States meets our obligations in a timely fashion to, that the full faith and credit of the United States should never be in question. Schumer said, listen, it's not how this works. Now, 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 Congress has passed a spending bill. However, they did not pass the debt ceiling. That's still up in the air. But just like me, I'm confused as you are. But call your senators, call Republican senators, and tell them to oppose raising the debt ceiling. We cannot afford to put my generation in debt even more. 
quite frankly, that's quite frankly, that is one of the biggest problems of the last 50 years. We keep kicking the can down the road. We need to deal with it. Now is a better time. Yesterday would have been better. The be- second best time to start is now. Thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.